Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, we have a very, very special guest today to talk about my favorite subject. That's not why she's here, but um, I don't know if it's your favorite subject, but it's probably most people's favorite or a lot of people's favorite subject. It's not college basketball, is it? No, it's not college basketball. It's not the NBA. It's not golf. It's uh, food. We have the great Sue Selesky, the Free Press's food writer. Um, that's what we'll call her for now. That's what she wanted to be called. So let's go with that. How's that sound? Okay. Sounds great. Okay. Thanks for so, having me. Yeah. Oh, uh, so it's so good to have you in. We're going to, we're going to get to the $99 Sunday at uh, some point. Carlos wanted to talk about that. He just wants to rile up the masses, but, uh, mm. I do have some thoughts on that too. Um, Carlos, as I'm sure you do, but before we do that, Sue, we wanted to talk to you about the Italian beef sandwich. And, and look, you can talk about all things food. This is a, a food show. I mean, food friendly show. Sorry. But let's let's talk about the Italian beef sandwich and the, the recent rush on them because of um, Hulu show or is it FX's show or is it FX and Hulu are the same company? I can't remember. FX on Hulu. FX on Hulu. I, FX on Hulu. I, yeah, that's how I understood it. Called yes. The Bear, and um, which, of course, is about a chef who comes a serious chef who comes home to Chicago because his brother dies. And takes over mm-hmm. the Italian beef restaurant and uh, that the, the craze of that and what's going on. And I think it's uh, Carlson. I both think it's great that you've you've uh, managed to localize this. Do we even say that anymore in our business, Sue? Do we still say that? Yes, I think okay. so. Yes. Okay. Well, in any yes. case, tell us about uh, what's going on with the Italian beef uh, craze right now. Well, it, it's kind of funny because um, <clears throat> I, I, you know, I don't watch a lot of streaming shows. And a friend of mine told me about this. They said, oh, you'll, you'll, you'll really like this show, The Bear. And I said, okay. And so I started watching it. Or before I started watching it, I started hearing about the sandwich. And I thought, well, I now I got to watch this show. And so, um, you know, I, of course, I Googled it. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this thing is just going crazy. And um, so, I, you know, I, I remembered the place in Hazel Park called Matt and Moe's. And um, I remembered that one and I thought, okay, well, I'll reach out to them, watch the show and everything. And, and the show, it's, it, it is about, you know, the Italian beef sandwich, but it's also about a, a lot of other things too, working in a kitchen, um, you know, how the chef works with his employees and, 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 and it's, 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 it's really good. I binge watched it. It all eight episodes in one night. It was great. Um, but the sandwich is, is phenomenal. I mean, it's just a really, I, I, I understand the appeal to it. I, I may have had it a couple of years ago, maybe, I mean, probably a lot longer than a couple of years ago, but um, it's, um, it's, you know, it's real hearty and it's just a, a really delicious sandwich. So it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know, Sean, I don't know if Sean's going to be truthful about this, but I have never had an Italian beef sandwich I've never even heard of a Italian beef sandwich before this show. And I've, I've been to Chicago many, many times. And of course, you know, no, Chicago you just likes to claim everything. Chicago style pizza and Chicago, uh, Chicago dogs. dogs. Yeah, everything. Yes. You know, it's like, oh, Chicago, whatever. Chicago invented food, apparently, uh, right after New York did. But but, uh, but I've never heard of it. And so, so just a little, little gripe, a little aside is the day that we're recording the show is on a Tuesday. And I was very excited today because I was kind of in the area of Matt and Moe's in Hazel Park. And I saw oh, they opened at 1130 and I looked on my phone. I get there at 1129. Guess what? They're closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. <laughs> I didn't yeah. I didn't get my Italian beef. I will be oh. back. 
but ex- can you explain, just explain to the, to our one listener out there, what, what is, it, this sounds to me kind of like a, a French dip essentially, but a little bit different. How, what, how do you make it? What's inside of it? Okay. So, so traditionally what they do, like, especially we'll use Matt Mose as an example. There's other, two other places that I found too, that I believe they go along the same lines. You know, they, they, they sear this, you know, big hunk of, of beef. It's usually, it's, it's some kind of, you know, roast. Um, I've seen sirloin roast. I've seen top round. I've seen all kinds of recipes for it. So they sear it and then they, they roast it in, in, in a, uh, uh, you know, not a beef broth, but an au jus for hours for like, for, it takes 10 hours Wasn't to it cook. two days? Didn't, didn't Matt and Moe's or someone? It's a two day yeah. process at Matt and Moe's. And so then they take it out. Then you have to let it rest overnight. Then you do something, you know, you probably, uh, I'm kind of assuming he, you know, uh, you know, simmers down the au jus and then the next day you slice it and then you put it back in the au jus. Then you you know, put your au jus on the side. And when they make the sandwich <clears throat> and, 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 and the role that, you know, how they serve it, which bread or bun they serve it on, that matters too. At Matt and Moe's, they use one from Chicago. And, um, and then they, they pile on the beef um, and then you can get um, the sandwich, what they call, you know, wet, dry, or they call dry, wet, or dipped. So dry is no on it's just straight from the um the, the meat <clears throat> if you get it wet they put a ladle full of the aju and then if you get it dipped they dip the whole sandwich in the aju <laughs> so so um when i had it i didn't do that i got the aju on the oh, side because when i got boo. it i had to because i had a 45 minute drive <laughs> home and i don't live close and so i thought okay um and and Anyhow, and then the, the topping on it matters too. So they put this uh, giardiniera, which is a blend of jalapenos and um, uh, uh, carrots and a couple of, you know, other vegetables. And they put that on the top and then you can get sweet peppers on it too, sauteed sweet peppers and onions. So I got the sweet, pe- I got it all. And it was, and, and, and I, I'll say that the au jus was spot on. I mean, it was very, very flavorful. It was. Um, you know, nicely seasoned. Sometimes those are really salty. You get those sauces and stuff. They're really salty. And it, it was, it was really delicious. And, and the, I ate the sandwich for three days. I, I I mean, I think it had like a pound of meat in it. I mean, it was packed and, um, you know, it, it was just, you know, it was very good. And, um, I, I, I see the appeal to it. You know, the meat was tender and, um, it was just, you know, I, I couldn't see getting it dipped i think it might be a little too messy well but i have to interject just for a second tyler davis one of the assistant sports editors who's from chicago basically if you don't get a dip don't even talk to him like you can't there's Mm -hmm. no point to him not and basically to the listener out there getting a dip means you drown it in the sauce you hold it you Mm -hmm. submerge it in the au jus and so you're right so Mm -hmm. you cannot in fact, that's what I was thinking about because I was like, there's no way I can take this home. I'm going to have to eat it there if no. I get it dipped because it's just a, a juicy, you know, watery mess that right. I'm sure is delicious. So, mm-hmm. and by the way, three days, well, three told- days to eat this, Sean would have eaten that in three minutes. Yeah. For me to, um, you know, I asked them, I said, look, I, I've got about a 40 minute drive home. 
And she goes, I'd get, I'd get it on the side. She goes, I wouldn't even put it. I said, okay, you know, I, and I appreciated her saying yeah, And You don't um, have to prove your bona fides to Carlos. Too. I mean, this <laughs> yeah. is, you know, we, we, we try to, this is safe space in here. If, if, so I have a few thoughts. First <laughs> yeah. of all, Carlos, you know, when you use the word watery to describe anything, when you, that's, you're going to eat or drink or whatever, I guess, unless it's water, um, that's, that's usually a pejorative. So I'm just tossing that out there. Secondly, Sue, I think we've realized the hostility he's got with Chicago because it is a lot like, and I have had Italian beef, and I mean, you can get it at Midway Airport for one, Carl's, when next time you're going through there, but um, it is a lot like the French dip. It's a very similar idea, right? You put vegetables in a roasting mm-hmm. pan with a, a top round of big, and the jus is similar. The difference is the peppers, the the, the gardenera, mm-hmm. jus gardenera. I can I can never pronounce that properly. Yeah, it's, yeah, I always say jardinera. Yeah, 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 exactly. But, um, but there's a place in L.A., you know, Carl's home that invented the French dip, or at least they lay claim to it called Philippe's. And they also it's a great little place. They It's just off downtown. They also dip and they but they ask you if you want one or two dips because their dips are cool. pretty quick. They don't just they don't let them swim. You know, it's not a it's not a, a, a 1600 meter race in there. It's more like a it's a 50 yard sprint. And it's, it's in and out just, just so we can keep it a little bit sports wise. But it's but it's in and out. But Sue, can you tell us about the other two places so we don't play favorites? Okay, well, there's several, I, more than two. Or almost. okay, at least that you wrote about. Right, and I I did try about a year ago. I did try Portello's, uh, which they opened a year ago, and um, the other two I didn't try. Um, but I've heard that they've got you know great reviews, um, and the one is the sandwich at um, it's in Mount Clemens Maze. And the owner, it's his favorite sandwich. So that's why it's on his menu. And these are relatively new places. Both of the, uh, well, Portillo's opened about a year, maybe a little bit more than a year ago. And the other two places in Mount Clinton, in Macomb Township, they, they're rather new, three years, I think, they, the restaurants have been there. So um, uh, I had the one at Portillo's, and that is a Chicago-based chain. And there's only one here in um, in Michigan, and that's in Sterling Heights. And um, I I don't I didn't get that sandwich dipped, but I did get it. You know, it's, I ate it at the restaurant, so I did get the um, the au jus with. I think they call it gravy there. I got that, got that, um, got it there. So it was along the same lines. I mean, it was you know, it was a beef sandwich. I don't think it was. Um, I don't recall if it was like the same style bun or not. Have you been to the Italian sandwich place on, um, it's fairly new. Is it on Woodward or Cass? I can't remember. I've actually been there. I should know. Rocco's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have, Rocco, have they, have no. you seen an Italian beef there? Because I've had, they've got a chicken parm and they've got, they've got great mm-hmm. subs and great sandwiches. Do they, they, I called there. They do okay. not, they do not have it. That was one of the other, the other places that I thought of that, um, but they don't, they have a, he described an Italian sub, which sounded to me like it was cold cuts. By the they way, call, just, oh, just so, just ahead, so the, the listener out there li- understands this, whatever. I mean, Sue wrote a great story about this great article about uh, breaking down all the different places, Mays and Portillo's and, and, uh, and Matt and Moe's. And so you can either go to the free press and look for it under entertainment and her dining, or just follow her on, on Twitter. Susan Marie cooks. Um, and she, she has links to her uh, story there. I think it's at the very top uh, about the bear. So mm-hmm. that's a, it's a great breakdown, but, but one thing I want to, one thing I wanted to highlight, what maybe my favorite part of the article, Sue, I'm going to read it to you. Cause you probably don't, uh, 
I don't want to, I don't want to make you read your own stories, <laughs> but this is my, my favorite part. It's not just about the sandwich, right? And making it the right way and all that stuff. You have to eat it the right way. And, and if you dip it, which is me, which means drown it in the au jus, uh, Matt Marzullo, who is the co-owner of Matt and Moe's in Hazel Park says, you take the sandwich to the ledge because it's so messy. Ledge count, ledge of the counter, put your feet apart and have your elbows on the ledge and start eating. It's more about the lean. So you don't get the juice on your clothes. So that, that is my favorite part. And I've actually watched videos on YouTube of people eating Italian beef and they exactly do it. They're like at a 45 degree angle leaning on it. So you mm -hmm. don't get all this, not watery. Sean, give yeah. me a, you're the, you're the columnist. You're the wordsmith. What's a better word than. I would just say, watery. call it what it is. You know, Juicy. that's the. The, a jus, you, so you don't get jus all over you. you don't right? get the jus. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not as fancy and refined as you are. So it's, no, the jus. It's there's three letters. J it's French. J U S. It's not very fancy. Sue will tell you that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's a jus. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's been yes. around. It's That's been right. around in French. the country with us in the U S. for you know 50 years, Carlos. I don't think it's fancy. Yeah. By the way, by the way, one little thing, Sue, just just so you don't fall into the trap that I fell into. Sean loves to tell you about fantastic restaurants such as Philippe's. But if you happen to go to Los Angeles with Sean and he tells you he's going to take you to Philippe's, don't believe him because he'll tell you, oh, I went there yesterday already or two days ago. Sorry, <laughs> I forgot. You traveled 2000 miles to join me at Philippe's, but it, it it slipped my mind. So let's go to, uh, I don't know, what did you take me to? Like a, a hipster Taco Bell or something yeah, like that? Yeah, well, it, it wasn't. It was near the airport. You were don't tired. And I, and, and you, need, you needed to get to sleep and you were tired. And so we did that. I, that, I was thinking about you at that point. By the way, Sue, the the other thing about the French dip, especially at Philippe's or places like that, this it's the same idea. It's the jus with the beef, the roasted beef that's been sliced and dipped and it's nice and, and, and wet. But the heat with the French dip out there is uh, either horseradish or really, really hot mustard. Oh. So it's the same kind of idea. Oh. It's, it's the peppers. You want the heat. And, right. And, right. And, it, and those peppers, they're strong. No, they're, 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 they're very they're, strong. So I wanted to ask you, though, just getting back to the bear in the, in the show, and you said you, you love the show. Do you remember? Mm -hmm. You've been doing this a long time. Can you think of other series or other movies or just TV shows in general that have kind of inspired uh, rushes or, you know, crazes with food? I hate to put you on the spot like that. Yeah, yeah, boy. Yeah. I I can't think of, you know, there it's, it's kind of ironic that before I watched the bear, um, uh, the, it was either the weekend before, a few days before I watched the movie, the chef, which was on HBO yes, or love something. That movie. And, I, and it's, and it's been around for, for a long time. I've seen it. I don't know how many times, but you know, they did this uh, Cubano yep, sandwich yep, yep. and you yep. watch them. And then the one actor ended up doing a series on, I think it was Netflix it, it, that was based kind of based on with Roy Choi and, is that who? Okay. Yeah, John Favreau is the actor, and he did that with Roy Choi on Netflix. Yep, also called The Chef, right? Yeah, yep. And uh, which I did not watch, but I loved the movie The Chef. I just thought it was really, you know, really good, and how they, you know, get this food truck. But, um, you know, I'm trying. I can't think of anything off the top of my head um, of, you know, of, of something that inspired, you know. Food well, craze. I can't. I can't either. I was just so. I'm sorry to put you on the spot again but i, I but it's i can't okay. either that's why it was so it's interesting with what the bear has done and that i mean the bears the, mm -hmm. the bears drawn uh all sorts of uh followers all, for lots of reasons but it's not just about the mm -hmm. italian beef sandwich but yeah no i so i 
it's like Jaws. What Jaws did it kept you out of the water. Remember, it's yeah. the same kind of same kind of effect. But uh, did, have you ever worked in a kitchen? Have you ever um, a professional kitchen? I mean, Me? yeah. Well, you know, we had uh, uh, no, I haven't, um, except for you know testing recipes, our own test kitchen, which we no longer have. And um, but I've worked with a lot of chefs in their kitchen. I was just curious Every, what you, you thought know. about the the realism of the show, right? And the chaos and the oh yeah, yeah. It it, it I thought it was you know uh, I don't want to say spot on, but you know a lot of stuff happens in the kitchen and and um, he, you know here was you know the main character who um, you know worked in a really uh, high end upscale restaurant, presumably I believe you know in new york and um comes back to chicago and he's bringing everything that his his chef's you know wisdom to this a sandwich shop and everybody's calling everybody yes chef yes chef which you don't see that a lot in in like a smaller you know um i don't know mom and pop type uh setting and um you know he he's just trying to you know, I think instill his belief because he, and actually he's the character uh, was supposed to have a, uh, be a James Beard nominee or awardee, which is a very, you know, it's the uh, culinary Oscars, you know? It, um, so um, it's, it, it, and I think part of the show, what I did like is how he was, they're talking about different foods too. So it wasn't just the sandwich. And there was, you know, you could just tell there was a lot of food scenes in there. His sister makes this chicken piccata that looks, it's diet, it looks great, you know. So I think there's these other food uh, aspects to the show. And it's renewed for another season. So who knows what's going to happen next, next for the next and, season. And I look forward to that. Sorry, Carlos, because Carlos wants to ask a question. I just want to say that I've been trying to get everybody at the free press to say yes, columnist to me. And it's not, oh. it is not working at all. So, you know, and I want Carlos to say yes, chef to me, but he won't do it. <laughs> you know, what's funny. It was years ago. Uh, I was reading a David Sedaris book and he goes to France and starts taking French classes, you know, to learn the language. He's like, you know, chef actually just means boss there. Um, and it, it, so it, I, you never thought it, you always think it's just a culinary term, but it means boss. So Sean, if I call you, yes, chef, that's boss. So it's more than appropriate. Yeah. I'll, I'll start calling you. Yes, chef. Of course. Okay. Okay. Uh, what were you going to, what were you going to ask Sue before I so rudely interrupted? Oh, no. You know what, what was interesting about the show is it was a, a fantastic show. I mean, I think everybody couldn't help but binge it. Right. And uh, it mm -hmm. flies by. The funny thing about the show is that the the uh, the sandwich isn't really that prominent because mm -hmm. they talk about it and they and it's obviously a big part of their their business, just a little you know storefront. But but he really wants to the main character, the chef, wants to elevate the cuisine, right? So he wants mm -hmm. to do all these different high minded things. And there's actually a lot of conflict with him and his friend who he calls cousin a guy by the way mm -hmm. he plays the character's name is richie but he's played by this actor named i think it's eben moss bachrock oh if this guy doesn't win whatever emmy or whatever <laughs> this guy steals the show i mean the main uh -huh. character is good and a really good supporting cast really they, it, yes. there's an authenticity to these people they probably did i'm guessing did some training in kitchens to see what the vibe is like how there's a lot of toxicity um, it's a hard watch sometimes, 
But but this mm-hmm. guy who plays Richie just I, I almost wish they would just spin him off, like just have a show called Richie. Um, and he's so much fun. But it's always a constant struggle of listen, this is what people, hardworking blue collar people in the neighborhood want. And you want to gentrify mm-hmm. it and have this highfalutin French mm-hmm. laundry crap stuff, James Beard stuff, you know. So it's it's an mm-hmm. interesting dynamic between the two longtime friends, and there's a tragedy involved yes. and all this stuff. Um, so I always thought that was, I just thought that was funny that the, the sandwich is not like the star of the show, really it's, it's mentioned, but it's not that prominent. I think the things that I saw on the show when they, when they show, uh, they show that big hunk of beef that is so nicely seared. I mean, it's just like, it's, that's what you want. I mean, when you're making this, that's exactly what you want. And so they did a great job, you know, with that. And from what I understand, you know, the main character, he he did um, work with a few chefs at, at a culinary school oh. to. Uh, yeah, I was reading something online somewhere about it. But um, but yeah, you know, like I said, you, you look at it. Of course, the food styling is great. And it's like, wow, you know, <laughs> that's how I'm, if I'm going to make this, that's how I want it to turn out. So, yeah, I think Carlos, I think he elevated by adding carrots and onions basically to the to, to the roast so i'm not sure you know i mean right some ketchup ketchup yeah and some and, and some ketchup hey so before we let you go uh sure. can we talk about this 99 dollars sunday i want to i want to oh, withhold yeah. uh i want to withhold my opinion because i want to hear what carlos has to say but but and you have to say about it but uh it's what the sugar factory it's a restaurant that's coming in what a, a, less than a week maybe in detroit Monday. Monday. It opens okay. Monday. I just I just got another uh, news release on it. So it's it's it, they announced it, I believe, back in January, and it's it's over the top desserts. It's a candy store. It's a restaurant. I mean, the the menu is really food and dessert recipes, or recipes. Excuse me, food and dessert um, uh, items that they have. I mean, it's it's a huge huge menu, and. Um, they just, you know, this $99, you know, Sunday, I mean, he has 20 scoops of ice cream. Um, I'm reading it right here. They've got hot fudge, caramel, cook, cookie chunks, a cupcake in it, um, candy necklaces, cake pops. I mean, you know, waffle cones, um, all kinds of things. And it's $99 according to the menu. And it serves 12 people. And I'm thinking 12 people, you know, that's 20 scoops of ice cream. I mean, you know, that's, I mean, it's just a lot in there, but um, they have these milkshakes. Um, some are, you know, are boozy milkshakes and some are regular ones, but they have, you know, the Nutella banana milkshake. Um, they have just like, it's like I said, it's a huge, huge menu. So what can you think, this, Carlos? how can this place not be, a, I mean, this, this is, this is like the Sean Windsor, you know, grand slam. I mean, how can this not be boozy milkshakes and 20 scoop Sundays? How is this not going to be a hit? And it, and it really sounds like they're really brilliant about the marketing because I remember reading this years ago in a book called uh, contagion, I think it was. And it, the whole idea was that was a Philly cheesesteak that was, I think it was a hundred dollar Philly cheesesteak. And of course Uh it gets headlines, right? I think that was the headline in the free press, $99 Sunday. So how, Mm -hmm. what? $99 Mm -hmm. Sunday, you know? So um, it's brilliant marketing, right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And it's just, I think there's a lot of celebrity backing to this. Mm -hmm. There's a few things that they've had, um, like, you know, there's some of the candy that they sell has, 
I don't know if it's backed by celebrity, but there's there's a lot of celebrity um, uh, things going on with this. Um, um, but, the, but the other thing that struck me, beside, like I said, beside the, um, aside from all the desserts, the ice cream and everything, is their menu. I mean, there's soups, salads, there's entrees, there's sandwiches, there's burgers, there's, um, you know, just other basic desserts. There's cheesecake. Um, it, you know, they just have a lot of, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big menu. Um, I mean, online is, you know, a huge menu, so. And and their reservations, uh, you can't get a reservation until after. Oh, I think I looked it up. Um, you know, it was like something like mid September. Wow. wow! To make it to to, to uh, through open table, and, and I think it's they're booked up then. So so so, so. it's working to Carlos's point. I wondered. I, I did. I wanted to reserve judgment. I wasn't sure if Carlos was going to hammer the idea as some you know sign of a. Uh, the end times and the fall of the American empire and all that sort of thing. But 99 bucks suit for 12 people. I, I'm not a mathematician, but it's, it's less than 10 bucks. Was it nine bucks, a mm-hmm. eight, nine, eight, yeah. nine bucks per person. That's per not person. bad for a Sunday. Mm-hmm. You might even say, Hey, it's a scoop and a half per person. So that's not so, a huge, mm-hmm. Sulaski, huge Sousa, frugal, frugal gourmet. Sue Sulaski would yeah. never pay $9 for a Sunday. Sean, you know, better than that. What's the most you pay for a Sunday Sue? Oh, I don't know. It's been a while. Um, I don't know. I, I I couldn't even guess. I don't know. Five dollars. I don't know. Yeah, at the, at the dairy know. at the Dairy know. Queen, <laughs> sure. But um, yeah. but if you were, I went to this whole this custard place that's nearby that's really famous, and I I thought, okay, let me get a medium. I asked that this kid was walking away from it, and I said, what size is that? He said, a medium. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know that's huge. My husband and I will split that. So. I asked my, I, I, when I ordered it, I go, well, how much is that? She was $3. And I'm like, okay, can I have a cone? I had him put it in a cup. And then I said, can I get a cone with it? She goes, yeah, she put the cone on it. And I said, oh, how much extra for the cone? She said nothing. And I'm like, oh, okay. So it was $3 for yet another, <laughs> yet another Susalaski hack. She just came up. Yes. She, she gives us the hack, Sean, at the, at the grocery store. So get the Sunday, get an extra little uh, 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 cone, crumble it on mm-hmm. there and you get some free toppings, right? Yes. Well, that is because I was driving too. I was by myself and I thought I can't eat all this. And I can't hold a cone while driving. <laughs> and, and like I said, my husband and I, we split it. It was, you know, it was huge, you know, but so I, I don't know what a Sunday, I mean, I haven't had an ice cream Sunday in a long time, but you're right, Sean. I do think, I mean, $99, I mean, you have a little birthday party, yeah. right? Yeah. If you're, you know, for your kids and you know, uh, you know, 10 friends or no, 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 no. Don't, don't fall for this. Sue. It's, he's going to say, let's, oh. Hey, let's 12 of us split this. And he's going to take about half of that Sunday. for no, himself. I, I, I like Sundays fine, but I'm not, I'm not necessarily a huge Sunday person, a bit of, you know, if it's good ice cream, right. That's what I would want to know. Right. Sue. Is that ice cream any good? Because that's, yeah, that's what and, I want. And I too. would yeah. have reservations that it would be, that would be my, my question. Do you, do you get to go yeah. to a tasting day or uh, something, a press media day, press day? You know, I, I don't know, you know, I'm going to, you know, find out. Um, I thought maybe that we should, you know, kind of check it oh, out yeah. and see, you know, what it's all about. And, and um, I, I, I just can't imagine what the first day is going to be like. And if it's just, going to be packed here's my here's my free here's my i'm not trying to give you extra work but here's my as your assignment you know part-time assignment editor i would say here's your first story from sugar factory is i tried the 99 dollars sunday here's what i thought 
Okay. That sounds like a Carlos that. headline, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's two eyes, Sue, and one uh, headline. So that sounds just like Carlos. I think we're doing great. I can hey, freelance listen, it. <laughs> hey, Sue, thank you so much for joining us and uh, give us your time today. Thank you. And yeah, please, uh, we'd love a report back on that Sunday. And, uh, Absolutely. Keep finding all these fabulous gems all over our area. And uh, folks, listeners out yeah. there, please keep uh, reading Sue and her great work at the at the Detroit Free Press. Uh, we will talk to you soon, Sue, and we will. Okay. Yeah, thanks for joining us. We'll be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. My name is Kerry Jr. The second. I'm a podcast producer and reporter with the Detroit Free Press and now the host of Freep's new weekly podcast on the line. Our job is to understand the issues and the people that the issues affect in our state and region and tell the news. I want Detroiters, I want Michiganders, I want Metro Detroiters to hear themselves and maybe get a sense of peace in this podcast. Maybe not in the topics we're covering, but in the sense that we're the Detroit Free Press. And you can come here to know what's happening and trust that we're going to tell the truth, give you the facts, and do it authentically. We're going to give you the voices that are in those areas, whether it be in Owasso, whether it be in Petoskey, whether it be in Birmingham, Warren, Gross Point, Southwest Detroit. You know, we're going to give you what it sounds like to be there. So every Friday in your feed, wherever you get your podcast, when you press play, we want this podcast to sound like home. We want it to sound like Michigan. We want it to sound like Detroit. I think that's all I got. So let the journey begin. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, I could talk about food all day, but this is a sports show. Is it? And um I mean, I don't know who, I don't know what's, it's a show about you, I guess. And so it is fun to talk about food and uh, hopefully somebody out there will, uh, I don't know, maybe don't, nobody wants to spend $99 on a Sunday, Carlos, but I wouldn't blame them. I'm not sure I would, but, uh, but we do need to talk about sports, right? At some point, not just metaphors. On, on Jeanette, we have a person on our staff named on Jeanette Delgado who requires us to talk about sports uh, or she gets very very testy, very angry with us. Yeah, so. very angry, anxious, probably also, right? You know, jittery. You know, just just straight up, just straight up anger. Just do you think so? Yeah. Well, she's got to work on that. Uh, yeah, maybe you can recommend be... a, a, a therapist or some you blame her counseling program. What do you think? <laughs> like a twelve step for angry. I think she's got to go listen. Yeah, angry managing editors who are forced no. to listen to podcasts. No, no, she can go listen to like on the line or the Pistons pulse and that'll calm her down. Yeah, that will calm her down. Maybe even help her sleep. So that would be, uh, that would be great. Right. The soothing tones. <laughs> oh, our <laughs> producers, our producer who y'all can't see, but we can, he's laughing and he doesn't want to <laughs> be laughing. So it, that's the look on his face. He's uh, laughing against his own will. That's always, that's always said. All right, Carlos, let's talk. Uh, I don't think, I don't know if I said this at the top of the show, but but uh, let's let's talk Tigers a little bit, or specifically Robbie Grossman, who was traded to Atlanta, what, three, four, right before the deadline. I don't even remember. It's all blurring together. The summer's over and life's over, so that's all I know. But you, what you wanted to talk about Robbie Grossman, the fact that what's the, what's the table to set here, Carls? He is hitting better as a Brave and made some comments about how they fixed something and figured something out with the implication being that they could not uh, something they could not figure out or see in Detroit. And it became uh, national headlines within the baseball community. 
And um, AJ Hinch has since responded. But before we get to that, I want to I want to hear what you have to think about this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just the you know, like if you didn't think the Tiger season could get worse, right? Like it was bad enough that they trade uh, Itzak Paredes to the to the Rays for Austin Meadows, and that doesn't work out. And then Paredes is just you know beating the world, you know, just amazing right off the bat, um, hitting home run after home run. And he's cooled down, but but that was like, oh man, like of course this happens. And then you know, Meadows is dealing with all these different injuries and and on the IL and all that. Um, but then you get this with Robbie Grossman, right? They just trade him for a process, a pitching prospect. And suddenly, you know, not only do, does he start hitting better, but they, he, they go on and on, you know, he and the Braves go on and on about, Oh yeah, we just saw some video. We have some kind of magical analysis machine or something that nobody else has. And we were able to figure out what was wrong with the swing path, his hand path, whatever it was. And suddenly Robbie Grossman's like fixed and he can hit, uh, he can hit from the left side of the plate again. And, and it's just, it's just the knife, Sean, just the knife in the back. So Tigers, poor Tigers fans and twisting it. And like, it's not bad enough that you're going through a, a terrible season, but then, you know, you're trading your trash and then it becomes treasure, you know, to your trade partner. So I, I just, I just have to say, I feel so bad for Tigers fans. Um, but Here's my thing is whoever, whoever found this, right. Whoever found this in the Braves analytics department and looked on, looked at the film and whatever fed it into the computer and got the answer out. They need to find that person, whoever it is like it's, I'm imagining it's like the Jonah Hill character from, from Moneyball. And, you know, someone needs to go to the, to the Braves facility and tell them who are you and steal him and trade. I don't know, trade Javi Baez straight up for this guy, whoever, some, some analytics math geek, and get them in the Tigers analytics department to start doing that work for the Tigers because that's what they need. Well, the Braves do have the results to back it up, right? I mean, so so right. we can say that. It's interesting because you, you know I don't want to I don't want to dispute what Robbie Grossman said or you know the whatever they did to the Braves. By the way, his last three games, he's or four games, he's gone over three, over three, and over four, and then he had one hit the other one. So it's not, you know, right. Well, there's the lebs and flows. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there are. So it's not like he's, uh, you know, leading the league and hitting all of a sudden. So I want to put a little bit of context there. But Carlos, I feel like, it, look, first of all, AJ Hinch was asked the last couple of days to respond a little bit um, or just what he thought about it. And he took the high road mostly, right? He said um, more or less that it, it was frustrated, that they were frustrated too, that everybody was frustrated, and they, you know, that they couldn't unlock Grossman and, get him to hit where he had hit the year before. The one thing he did say that I thought was sort of interesting is that sometimes when you get into a different environment and you get traded and the expectations, he said, not just a different, it's not just, it was new Carlos that the Braves are a new organization. Is it that you go there with the expectation you're on a winning team and you know, a team that just won the world series. Right. And you're, it's a different psychology and that that can, uh, he didn't spell this out, but the idea is that that can raise your, your focus somewhere or raise and, and that's human nature. So there's probably some truth to that too. And, um, and maybe Robert Grossman didn't want to throw the tigers under the bus in that way. saying oh, it has a more, but nobody knew what they were doing. Everybody was, you know what I mean? So I, I wonder how much of that is part of this too. It's a fair question. Well, I think. well that's a, that's a, that's a really, you know, uncommonly good point by you, Sean. I mean, that, 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 that speaks to so many issues with this situation with Robbie Grossman uh, not parade is quite as much, but with Robbie Grossman, the Braves are, you know, they're an elite team, 
right? Coming off a World Series championship, they've they've been playing better. Their expectations are are high for that organization. People expect them to win. And you look at what the Braves do, right? And it's like the Dodgers. The, the Dodgers are the same thing. Is it is it just that, oh, we expect winning here? You know, I don't know if it's just that. Because you see, like, as you know, I'm a Dodger fan. I follow them closely. They've done it over and over with Justin Turner, with Chris Taylor, with, with your boy Trace Thompson. Uh, I don't want you to start talking about Golden State and NBA, but Trace Thompson, right? I mean, they do it with these guys. Trace Thompson was in the Tigers minor league system. He was with the Mud Hens, and then... You know, they 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 got rid of him or they traded him for cash, I think, to the Dodgers. And and suddenly he's like almost an everyday player. You know, he's pretty valuable, um, putting up some decent numbers. So it's not just, a, oh, this is just a magical organization and people expect you to win. I think they do their work. They work on player development. And that's what I want to know. What's, what's going to have to happen sometime soon is you're going to get a new general manager. You're going to probably change that analytics department. Um and someone's going to have to answer for that. And and AJ Hinch, I think, cannot be continually absolved of any of this. You know, like I he's got to. No, he, I agree. He has a yeah because he's going to have a part in finding that general manager. And if you're going to have more of a stake in that kind of higher level decision making, you got to take some of the ownership for the failures of some of that. You know, player you know development and all that stuff. So I want to see that move forward, but. I don't want to get to my second point yet. If you want to say something else, I want to. I was just going to say there's a reason, and I don't want to go too old school. It's not that long ago, but there's a reason Jim Leland used to say over and over and over. And he would say it on the record. He'd say it off the record. We can say that now because he's retired, but uh, it's way, way off the record. The talent, right? It's a talent. He used to tell us that all the time. It's not me. You know, yeah, he tried to keep, if guys got low, whatever psychology, you know, and there's, there's politics of a team, there's managing human beings and that matters for sure and you and i argue sometimes about how much coaching does matter from sport to sport but but he always used to say and i think he's right you know mel tucker was talking about this michigan state football coach at a luncheon a few weeks ago just um just the idea of talent you know that that's ultimately what matters now that doesn't mean you'll win but without it you don't have much chance to win right and so you mentioned trace thompson and i don't want to get into the golden state warriors but I was thinking about what you're talking about, the magical organization. Well, everybody, Golden State does the same thing. People go there, they get better. You know, how much of that is the coaching? How much of that is they've got one of the best players who's ever played the game, and he does things on a court, and they are able to set the culture around that talent. Well, Atlanta has a couple of spectacular players, right? Yeah. I mean, well, they got more. They got more than a couple of spectacular players. They got a lot of really good players also, but. Baseball's but, different. Uh, you, yeah. So you so you wonder, you wonder, right? I mean, do you catch that happened with the Tigers in 2006? They had talent, but they also had that that thing that you could feel early on, and they carried it all the way to the World Series. Yeah, I mean, I I, and I think that I think that uh, you know the manager. This is where I'm not sure about AJ Hinch is. Uh, you know, it is it's always about talent, especially in a, in a sport like baseball and basketball. Um, but it's not just your stars. I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, like developing or getting the most out of a, an all-star caliber player, um, you know, and I might even put Grossman in that category of an above average potential. He could have an all-star year kind of a thing. Um, I'm talking about your, your middle level players more, you know, the guys who, who aren't stars, who, who are mostly starters, but, you know, like, like developing those guys and, and, and making sure, you know, a guy like, like Justin Turner, I'll go back to him, right. Uh, a, a guy who was just trying to find his way 
in the majors and was a platoon guy and they turn him into an everyday player. And then, uh, I don't think he's an all-star, but like borderline all-star That's you a know, good guy, example. guys like that. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, like Trace Thompson, a guy who's just barely trying to, I mean, I don't know how he's played for a hundred teams trying to find his way. And then you can make him a contributor. They kind of got that a little bit out of a kill last year. And I think that's what the hope was with Hinch and, you know, Avila and that whole organization is like, Hey, maybe we can develop some of these guys, you know, maybe, maybe we can push them beyond what they have traditionally been and get a little bit more out of them. Make, make a borderline guy, a contributor, a contributor, an everyday starter, an everyday starter, a potential all-star, you know, that kind of stuff. Are you elevating these players? And, and the talent has to be there, of course, but there's all kinds of talent levels. You know, this is a talent level borderline all-star or is it just, you know, everyday player kind of thing? No, for sure. You, and you make great points. And um, as you usually do when you're being sincere, no, and, and, and it's just a beautiful moment in the history of this podcast. I, <laughs> I, re- I really want to point. I'm really crying. Wanna, you can't yeah, read yeah. the listener can't. See no, I really, I really want to point that out. No, it's, it's a chicken or an egg thing a little bit, right? But you're right. The, the, the development. And I'm curious about the tigers in terms of, and obviously it's not just the analytics, right? It's the scouting and, and then also the development. So it's a three, there's like three areas, the scouting to bring them in and uh, the development to make them better. And the, and, and the analytics, I guess, kind of go with both of those things in terms of, how do you scout and how do you develop and what are you looking for and what are you trying to, to, to scout to or, and or develop? So, and they've just not been very good. Um, and that's putting it kindly right in any of these areas. And, you know, we'll see how much that changes with the new general manager, but um, it, it was, uh, you're right. It, it probably wasn't fun for tiger fans to hear that. And um, I would imagine that what they saw in the video and the adjustment of his hands as he's coming through or whatever it was uh, specifically probably did probably did help. You know, on the other hand, he had he was good here last year, right? So, especially the la- last part of the year, so he did that here. So, who knows? I mean, I just I just don't know to be honest with you. Do you, do you what, what's your sense of that? Yeah, I mean, the, the worrisome part about it is that it seems like you know the players who haven't been hurt with the Tigers this year have regressed. You know, I yeah. mean, even in the, they couldn't help Torkelson. Uh, you know, all these guys. You know, obviously Baez has has struggled and. And, uh, you know, it, I mean, it, it's just kind of been a theme of, of not getting as much as you'd hoped for out of these players. And that, that is, that is analytics. It has to be, it has to be coaching too. Right. So, um, one season is a small sample size. Um, but this can't continue, you know, if you're not, you got, and this is something else that your buddy Leland used to talk about all the time is he loved having a veteran player and looking at their statistics and saying, this is how they have historically performed because that's baseball because 500 at bats in baseball or 200 at bats tells you a lot more than just a cold streak over a week or two, you know? So he would always lean on the statistics, the historic he would. statistics and say, this is who this guy really is. You know, you guys get, he, he liked to make fun of us. You guys get all crazy when someone's on a hot streak for five games and you get all depressed when a guy's on a cold streak for five games or whatever it is. Like we ride the roller coaster and, and managers don't baseball doesn't as much. So this year, a lot of weird stuff going on, a lot of injuries, a lot of problems, a lot of shakeup, you know, so next year with more stability, um, then maybe we can see more of are the analytic is the analytics department. Something is something going on. There needs to be changed because if you can't help your own players and you're shipping them off, it's, it's one, it's one thing when you ship them off, it's another thing when you ship them off 
and they do well with their new teams, that's a major indictment for your whole organization. It generally is. It's like the New England members for so long. Exactly. New England, New England had that rep, right? You go there and they can turn anybody into a player. I mean, that was, well, that's that, was that. And that's, and that's my point. That's my second point about this is, is it not to get into the lions too much or anything, but Kyle Van Noy, he's the poster child of that, right? They didn't know how to use him here. And he goes to the Patriots and suddenly like, yeah, we're going to make you work and you're going to be a borderline pro bowler. You know, we had to get, the lions had to like cast him off because they couldn't figure out if he was supposed to stand up or, or have his, you know, hand on the ground or whatever it was. And and the Patriots just like, you know, and they, they, the Patriots have always done that with a lot of players, all the, the cast offs, the Wes Walkers and the Amendolas and all these guys, right. They have found other people, made, made treasure out of other people's trash. And that's the thing with the Lions. I think that that is something different that they're, they're in a different boat as far as you can just talk about all these, oh, seven wins and eight wins and whatever. And maybe you can win a few games and maybe you can have a little stretch. And I think Lions fans would be very happy to win seven or eight games and be playing, not being out of the playoffs in November. But if you really want organizational change in a, in a meaningful way, that's the stuff you got to keep start doing. You got to start thinking like the Patriots. You got to start thinking like the Rams. You got to start thinking like the Chiefs. You got to start thinking about, you know, like, like making significant deep-seated organizational changes to how you approach player acquisition, player development. Um, because if you don't, you're going to, and that's most of the NFL, you're going to go from eight or nine wins or 10 wins one year. And then maybe the next something close to that. And then you're going to drop down six wins when someone gets hurt a couple, and then you're going to go back up and you're going to, you know, if you don't have this blueprint of who do we want to be and how do we want to get there? What is our identity and our identity? I'm sorry, Dan Campbell, it can't be grit. You, you, that's that's not an identity. That's just a that's just a, a sales pitch. Grit. It's a good idea. Nobody knows what it means, but um, you got to have an organizational, uh, you know, sort of a guiding principle of what kind of player do we want, and and stick to that. You know, don't go after other players that don't fit your system or don't fit your your ideal for how how you're going to be, how you're going to construct your team, whatever it, that is. Um, and that's how you become the Patriots, you know, or the Rams or the Chiefs or these, these, you know, the Seahawks, the teams that are always constantly, maybe they have to rebuild a little bit once in a while, but they're consistently in, in that conversation and being near the top of the division. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the Seahawks because they were they were as good at the, at the development, identifying and development as anybody in the league for four or five years. And I mean, look, look at look at what they did during that stretch. They they took another, they took a lion who thrived there, won a Super Bowl. Um, Averill, right? Cliff uh Favorable, yeah, uh, yeah, a pass Should rusher. Been so. the MVP. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's uh, so it's you're right. It's all it's all connected. Um, getting back to, to to wrap this up with Grossman, it's all it's it's. I would bet you that yes, tech. There's a technical aspect of what the Braves saw that helped him. There's probably there's no dispute in that. But then Hinch's point is probably also true. When you have an organization that is just in the muck, boy, it's it's hard to thrive in that. And there are lots of examples with the Tigers right now, right? As you just pointed out. So, so it's probably mostly the, the technical part of it, but also then he's in a place where, where uh, it's fun to win, right? Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's just more fun that way. And uh, maybe it's not if, if you're a Dodger and it's every year. I remember when the Braves in the nineties, you know, even the fans kind of grew a little, they didn't get tired of it. You never get tired of it, but they, you'd take it for granted after a while, right? All that winning. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but that's not where they're at right now. In any case, um, 
I'm with you. Uh, I think we're in agreement. And uh, I know the listeners like it when we don't agree so much. But uh, I'm sorry that we, we both, uh, and, and y'all obviously agree with this too, that they, they got to, Avila wasn't enough, right? They, yeah. they got a lot to fix there. And uh, and we will see what happens. And the Grossman, Robbie Grossman comments about getting better at another organization just, uh, just uh, you know, solidified that even more. Let me, right, let me Carlos, ask you, let me oh, ask you ahead, this. Let me, just the last thing on this point, it's just, and I'm putting you on the spot, like you put poor Sue on the spot, but do you think they can turn this around in a year? Do you think that's possible? If they get a new general manager and change their analytics department and scouting, do you think they're going to do it in one year? Is this well, another if, two, three years? If you believe, if you believe the idea that at the beginning of this season, if they were, you know, they could, a, a five hundred or better team potentially, if everybody was healthy and psychologically there and everything went broke right, and you know, Torkelson and and Green start out and they're better. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's not the NFL where you can flip so so much but uh i on the yeah on the one hand it's easy carlos to look and say oh my god you know it's another rebuild it's another two three four years whatever and maybe that's the case but um let's see let's see let's see what they get uh if everybody's healthy i'd, I'd like to see that i don't think we know what that looks like if all the young pitchers are i mean you know their best pitcher their best young pitcher this year who was up with him terry school but he's out now right so it's it's um they just can't and i don't want to say they can't catch a break but just a lot went wrong let's see if uh i mean who knows maybe everybody's healthy and um and chris hillich lets the new general manager spend just enough and they make a trade or two or or make a more importantly find a signing or make a signing that that makes a difference i don't know i mean maybe what do you think is it likely that's I, that, my thing is no i don't think it's i don't think it's likely that that no it's i don't think it's like it's not impossible right it's not impossible, it's not impossible but but it's like not you likely said, Everything has to, so many things have to break right. So people are going to get hurt. They're going to get hurt for sure. You know, and, and I mean, they didn't have Spencer Turnbull through a no hitter for them last year. It wasn't, he's not going to play all of this year, you know, so he'll be back hopefully next year. But, but yeah, I mean, I think if everything breaks right for them, but that's a lot, that's a big if um, possibly, but you're really looking at a couple of years. I, 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 I would, I, I think so. I, I think that's what's so demoralizing is people thought, you know, we've, we've talked about this when we rehash this, we thought, People thought they were closer, and then and then now you're thinking, oh my god, it's just going to go on forever. So that's that's tough, but you never know. I mean, you know, I remember in 2006. I'm not saying this is going to happen next year, but nobody who who thought they were going to the World Series at the beginning of 2006 or making the playoffs, right? Yeah. Well, you know, by the way, one one fun thing about this is as a Dodger fan, you know, like uh, you know, I, I'm there for all of it. I ha- I hate to admit this, but you know, I'm supporting my, my brothers and sisters in the media. I subscribe to the LA times, the athletic, and I read the Dodger stuff, you know, and you know, as good as the Dodgers are, Oh, there's hand wringing over Craig Kimbrell and, and yeah, whatever, but we're not, we're not going to get into the world series. If we don't have a closer, we've got to figure this out. And what's wrong with, you know, like every, there's just always some hand wringing over. So, I mean, that's the thing with baseball, you know, right. It's such a long season, there's so many factors. There's the cold. It's just one little, one little thing that screws you up. The bullpen or the reliever, the setup guy, or something. You know, it's always some little thing. So, and to think the Tigers are so far from even thinking about that kind of level of teeth gnashing. You know, it's like, oh, just just let us get to the postseason, please. You know, um, I, I think that. I think it's they're a lot farther than anybody really wants to believe. Oh, or, I think but. I think you're right. That's why we have the Lions because they're going to get to the Super Bowl this year, and oh, it'll, all be, yeah, and it'll yeah. all be grand, right? Right? 
Yeah. Okay. After you watch right. Hard Knocks episode three, you'll 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 be convinced. Yes. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Oh yeah, that uh, yeah. Here we are with <laughs> another episode. All right, let's take uh, one more break, Carlson. Come back with our favorite thing. Sound good? Good. All right. Hello, I'm Phil Friend, the host and producer of Spartan Speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit Free Press and Lansing State Journal, focusing on Michigan State sports. Each week, I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game. Freak beat writer Chris Slaurie and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartan Speak one of, if not the longest-running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans as Chris and Graham, each of whom have spent a decade-plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. And once in a while, they'll let me throw out a take as well. Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game in the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartans Speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, it's that time of the show. Um, it feels like we've been here for ten hours, but we haven't. We've made we've made ten hours. That's probably our <laughs> fault. We've made ten hours feel like five minutes, though, haven't we? And uh, you should feel proud of that. <laughs> I think the yeah, listener would say it's the other way around. Yeah. yeah. Listen, uh, my man. What is your favorite thing this week? I have um, a co favorite. I thought we were thing. keeping this short. Um, two things. Okay. It is short. Uh, my first favorite thing was uh, playing golf, Sean. As you as you know, as you've been a dedicated uh, reader of my I have. golf, free uh, press favorite, golf rankings. It's my favorite stuff. Thank you. That's your favorite thing now. And so I've been I've been having to write about it, and there was a course that's coming up in the rankings that I hadn't played for a few years, and I hate playing golf by myself. So I asked our good friend, our colleague, Tony Garcia, who we need to have on the show one of these days, by the way, um, to come out and play with me. And it was just really fun to play with Tony. I'd, I'd played with him before at a media day at Detroit Golf Club, and, and uh, I played this other course. Um, and it was just a joy to have somebody to talk to and, you know, just being able to relax and, and get away from the office with a coworker and a friend and and hear his thoughts on you know, the free press and the business and his personal life. And, and just, and, you know, the, the great thing about golf is it forces you to waste time for four hours. And so just spending that time, you know, very little cell phone work, um, all that was truly enjoyable. And the second part of that, Tony kind of has a, it definitely has a big part of this too, is the free press free free stars is the name of our softball team. We finally won our first game of the season last week. Um, the great Anjanette Delgado uh, contributed as well. Uh, I played a very small part uh, by hopefully not making errors, but we won. Our, we played two games, a doubleheader, close in one, and we won the second game and finally got the monkey off our back, got off the schneid. Um, so it was a long time. That's coming. three straight more importantly, than, more importantly than any of that. Three place. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. This is audio. We can, we okay. can do all cliches we want for, for podcasts. But it was just, it was, it wasn't, it, Sean, I don't know if you've heard this, but it's not whether you win or there lose, you it's go. how you play the game. There you go. And Keep them coming. It was so, it was true. It was true. It was, I don't, 
I couldn't care less if we went winless, as long as everybody has fun and they feel like they contribute. And that's both games, Campbell actually, even though we lost awesome. the first one, thought that way. That's right. And we have, you know what? We have way more grit than those stupid lions will oh, ever have. Well, last quick question was Anjanette um, angry when she was playing? No, she she's completely pleasant okay, and a good. joy to be out. She okay, plays good. right field and she's good. she's our Ichiro, so she has a really high on that's base percentage. Great. That's great. That that's uh two really nice relaxing sounding. Well, the softball's <laughs> more fun than relaxing, the golf is more relaxing than and, and probably fun, I guess, if you're not shanking everything. Oh, uh, that sounds great, Carlos. My thing, real quickly, my favorite thing, it's, it's a kind of an odd favorite thing. It's not really a favorite thing. It's more of a gratitude. My favorite gratitude for the week. How about that? So uh, yes, on the day, let's see. Let's see. I don't, I don't even know what day to describe this. How about this? this how about this, Carlos? Sorry, I can't speak all of a sudden. Uh, I was recently sitting at a stoplight. All right, I'm in the left. It's a two-lane road. I'm in the left side and uh, in Ann Arbor, and I'm heading north, and there is a turn lane to my left to go into a strip mall, and there's a, a park on my right. And I'm sitting there, and there are three or four cars in the turn lane to my left, and I'm probably five, six cars back from the light and right next to that turn lane. And all of a sudden, here comes a pickup truck, Carlos, a nissan uh, toyota i don't know the, some kind of that's jacked up on its wheels with the fog lights up on the top and he's coming super super fast i'm like oh he's not gonna be able to slow down oh my goodness at the last second carlos he's in the left and i because I, I just he it happens so quick he's in the left lane the turn lane he veers into the oncoming traffic's lane right and goes through the intersection which is red it's a red light to the left and he goes around the corner and there's a uh that that road going into the strip mall is divided by a there's a the divider in there with the landscaping and stuff and huge boulders he swings around so fast and so hard he hits um the curb on the right it ricochets into the middle he goes up over the boulder almost like he's going to jump he teeters to the right and I think he's going to spin and there's glass and he's dragging metal and everything's flying and it's loud. And it ricochets him back to the uh, divider again, where he gets, goes over this, another boulder and then comes to a stop screeching stop. And there's smoke at this point coming up. He sits there for 10 seconds. All of a sudden, all over my left shoulder, I see a cop, but he's not chasing him, chasing him. He's slow rolling. So he's clearly been following him or chasing him. And then all of a sudden, the truck starts speeding, uh, burning tires, trying to get away again. His car's trashed, and he's trying to drive it off into this parking lot to escape. And I'm thinking, okay, these cops are going to get him in there, and is this dude going to get out with a gun and start shooting, right? He's been chased by the cops. And it's also kind of triggered me back to a really fortunate spot but nasty accident where i got spun around on the freeway at 70 miles an hour in chicago so the adrenaline's coursing through it's like the ptsd so uh the light turns green i'm like i'm out of here i don't i don't want to you know who knows where this is going to go and i could see that i could see the driver was okay because he was kept trying to go and had no idea what he did or anything like that but so i go and i get out and i'm, I'm shaking a little bit and um i mean it was loud and violent and it takes you back to a certain spot but uh, in any case, he he missed me when he came up on me by about a foot when he's because he was doing 30, 40. Wow. He was probably doing 35, 40 miles an hour through an intersection trying to turn at that speed. Right. 
and he didn't miss me by much. So I, I guess I would say to you, my favorite thing is that I did not get hit and, uh, and that that was not worse. And, and also not just me that he didn't take anybody out. That's why cops often don't chase. Right. You know what I mean? So I would say to you, I am uh, grateful. And, uh, that was, uh, we don't need to say what day we're recording to this, but that was this morning. How about that? On the day we're recording. Okay. Yeah. And I had to catch my breath a bit before I went on about my day, but, uh, but yeah, so I'm grateful, my man. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very, uh, appropriate. I would definitely say that's, uh, that is, that is a moment to reflect yeah. on and, and be happy. Yeah. And it is a favorite thing. That's <laughs> yeah. my favorite thing for you now. No, oh, yeah, don't get exactly, killed. exactly. I just hadn't seen anybody getting chased like that before. So not that I needed to see that. What's that? I've never seen that. Yeah. I've never seen that myself in growing up in LA with all the freeway yeah, no. chases. I never saw that. Yeah. No, no not, I, not in I person to see that in any case. Uh, yeah. Deep breath. All right. Good show. Good show, my man. I'd much rather talk about 99. Well, okay. That's a little ridiculous. We, we, we didn't say what we really thought, did we? I mean, 99 bucks. The 99 dollars. I would Sunday, bet they're not I'm making themselves. Come on. What's the most, what's the most you would pay for a Sunday? Oh, it depends on the Sunday. If somebody's making their own ice cream and making their own sauces. Like, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, I'd, I'd pay 12, 12, 15 bucks. If, if everything was made by hand from scratch, I'd absolutely want to reward those people for taking that time and and that kind of craftsmanship for sure but i wouldn't go out that wouldn't be a regular 12 bucks you said that'd be like a splurge you might do once a year or something yeah yeah what about you yeah yeah i'd pay 20 bucks if it was if it was like a real like you know you're talking obviously a downtown area yeah yeah yeah. chicago or whatever detroit la you know 20 bucks with like you know truffle shade you don't even need that somebody's making their own ice cream it's so simple and so delicious you want to see the milk in the no, cow? You know, we don't. I mean, fine. If you want to make that part of the artistry and the show, you know <laughs> what I mean? You know what I mean? One man becoming. It'd be like a car wash. You see the cow get milk. Yeah. Human, human beings become one with, ice cream. Uh, you know, one with nature and all that. Yeah, no, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be awesome. We got to go there. We got to do that. We got to make right. a date. Well, all three of us, you and me. That sounds we'll great. We'll make a date. Try it out. And, one uh, yeah, that'll be great. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put a reservations in December. Or maybe just maybe maybe just a tweed jacket. Of course you would. Would that work? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the Sean Winter style. style. All brand. right, Carlos. Uh, thank you, man. That was fun. Thanks for putting up with me. Anytime, any week. All right, we will uh, we will uh, be back here next week, right, Carlos? I hope, unless unless yes, all sir. the t- <laughs> yes, sure. Unless all the talk about Anjanette and her temper tantrums gets us uh, gets us fired, I don't, I don't know. It could. Uh, no, we we we. Yeah, I'll show you a temper no, tantrum. No, no. We, hey, she said she wanted to be mentioned more than the last couple of weeks, so we're just we're just doing what we're going to do. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's all in good fun. All right, let's uh, let's thank Andrew Hammond, the producer of the Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. This doesn't happen without our man, Mr. Hammond. We want to thank, of course, uh, Jeanette Delgado, the co-executive uh, co-producer, co-executive producer. I don't know. She's changing her titles all the time. It's it's frustrating. You're in trouble. You're yeah, in trouble. She, she makes this possible, too. How about that? Kirkland Crawford, the sports editor, who is also a co-executive producer of this podcast, and, of course, Peter Batia, the editor of the Free Press. You can find us where you can find all your favorite podcasts, Spotify, Apple. And Carlos keeps saying he's going to start his own platform. 
He never has. I don't know. Soon, soon, soon. soon. Okay. When you get there, rate us, uh, give us a shout. Uh, well, not a shout so much, Carlos. A, a few words. Maybe, maybe thumbs up. That, thumbs that's up. good. And uh, subscribe. Uh, that would be awesome. And we will buy part of a $99 Sunday for you if you do that. How about that? <laughs> okay. All right. Until then, Carlos uh, and I will be back next week with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. 